welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about copying the world aspects onto your character sheet and calling it a day. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we're going to be talking about how world exploration can inform character creation. So, Brandon. Yeah. Uh... I was talking, we were both talking the other day uh, to a friend of the show, um, Aaron Catano Saez, mm-hmm. about some stuff. And he was talking about, uh, he was talking on Twitter about character creation because obviously he and uh, other friend of the show, um, Jeff Stormer, do a podcast together where they do character creation. Yes. And he was saying that he has a whole lot of things to say about uh, character creation as it re- as it relates to world building. Okay, cool. So it made me think because so like what they a lot of what they have done with their podcast, which I should name, it is uh, All My Fantasy Children. It's a great podcast. I really recommend checking it out. They the two of them are great podcast. They're wonderful. I love those two. And what they have done is they have done so they sit down every week and they create a character, and through weekly creation of characters, they have built a world. Because every time, because they, they just sort of at some point realize that most of these fantasy characters could all really theoretically live in the same world, and at some point they leaned into it, and so every every week they create a new character from a prompt using a different system, all sorts of things, and they have started building out a, a like a connected world, and every time they make a character, they explore a new part of that world, and all my fantasy children cinematic universe, if you will, yeah, and so what what. Aaron was talking about was this concept of character creation through world bu- or world building through character creation, right? Where you spend time building characters, and through those characters you create worlds. But I think we want to try to get Aaron on the podcast <laughs> oh, to yeah. talk to us with that. So we're gonna we're gonna table that concept definitely and kind of come at it from the other way, yeah. Um, which is character creation through uh, world building. Yeah, that should this should and be a fun one. Yeah, because I have a lot of thoughts about it. And we I have personally played a couple systems that have done this in very interesting ways uh recently. And I have and then I have some examples of games that like have not done this well. Um and and I just want to talk about that because I think that it is an important character creation is like one of the first things people do when they sit down to play your game. Yeah. And and that's and so and then but having a rich world or building a rich world out of it uh or out of out of out of your game or for your players for players to play in um is a great way to start because you want the the characters to feel like they live in the world yeah exactly and so i want to talk about so the so two of the games that i want to talk about that i have done either played or done character creation for recently that i think that do this really well are okay. dialect and dark heresy the warhammer game interesting okay i know i was not expecting to say that and uh but it but i've been i've been digging into it recently and i think that the way i think that the game is very crunchy and i think yeah. that the, potentially the game has some flaws but i think that the way that the game does character design or has you design characters through world building is very interesting okay i'm i'm gonna come along with you on this journey james yeah okay so why don't we jump <laughs> into dark heresy just first because i think that there's a lot to talk about there okay cool Obviously, the Warhammer universe is huge and detailed and crazy. And there's like, there are source books yeah. for the miniatures game. There are dozens and dozens of novels uh, for people to read. People have really fleshed out this universe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's, and also, so, there's also plenty of like hidden story and lore in a bunch of the different 
like video games there've been yeah in yeah all sorts of stuff like that like there's it is expansive yeah and so when you sit down to make a character so so dark heresy is playing a specific section of that universe okay you are playing a group of 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 people who are working within the empire of man um and so you're imperial guard troopers that sort of thing and you've been uplifted by an inquisitor who has said you guys are interesting you are very good at what you do come work with me as part of the inquisition and we will go on adventures and so as a result the game is very interested in so the game in general is very interested in you being connected to this world that they've created and there is so much of it so that's pretty easy and the way that it does that and it also is interested in having all of the players come from different backgrounds because this is supposed to be a diverse cast of characters because the inquisitor is like sailing around the universe picking up the best of the best right they're specifically looking for for like you're specifically looking for that as a gm yeah and so so this is a very crunchy system it is a d10 system it you roll lots of dice um you are frequently rolling multiple d10s there's a lot of percentile stuff i think the way your like your stats are uh somewhere between 25 to 40 when you start you're adding with skills you're adding tens of of numbers to those things and you're trying to roll under those things so think so as we are talking through all of this remember that this is a crunchy system so when you go to create a character in Dark Heresy, you pick three things. One of them is your role, which is like your class. Um, it's the thing that you do now. Um, that is pretty much exactly what you would expect from a, a kind of a class-based system. Right. You, you also pick a background. The background is what you did. It's what were you doing on your home world before the Inquisitor came and scooped you up. Were you a farmer? Were you a mechanic? Were you a police officer? Okay, Your cool. Background. And is that also, also picked by the player? Yes. Very cool. Okay. And you choose a home world. Because, again, this is a huge universe. And so there are hive worlds, which are like Coruscant, where they're like whole city planets. There are forge worlds, which are like highly mechanical uh, worlds that are just designed around producing warships and and uh, weapons and ammunition and stuff like that. There are highborn worlds and shrine worlds, which are sort of like the upper cl- upper crust. There's fewer people. They're more well protected. They're very wealthy. And there are feral worlds, which are like the less developed. They're they're on the outskirts of the empire. They're less protected. You're more likely to have aliens uh, invade and that sort of thing. Okay. And and so the way and so all of this is like cr- crazy detailed and there's a lot of like you can you can get as specific as picking which specific world you're from if that's what you're interested in. Um or you can say generally like uh, I want to be from a hive world, which is right. I made a character in this game. Um and that's what I did. You can also roll on a d20. You can roll a bunch of d10s and it will choose all of this stuff for you randomly if you want. Okay. So like if you've been playing and reading Warhammer since you were in middle school, then you know all of that stuff you want to take like a specific world all of that but if you're sitting down and just jumping into it you can you can even just roll for it yeah um which is maybe so, the best thing to do because always roll for it yeah and that's what i did so <laughs> nice so the thing that's important about all of these is that so you're picking your home world which is where you're from where were you raised um what kind of a community did you grow up in were you wealthy were you poor were you uh frontiersmen all that sort of stuff and then you're picking your background, which is like, what did you do after you grew up? Like, what did you, what was your job? And then you're picking your role, which is what you do now. Okay. And all of those things 
grant you different kinds of bonuses. Like they're not just fluff. Okay. And this is what I like, want to talk about with character creation from design. So like when you choose your home world, your home world grants you specific uh, bonuses to your stats. They're not giving you like a gen like a generic plus one plus two like all people from this planet are are more agile. Yeah, but it but it's a it's it's more of a um, advantage system like from uh, Dungeons and Dragons where you're instead of rolling two d tens you're rolling three and choosing the highest. Okay, and when you're or rolling those neg- on what? Oh, when you roll them on stats. Yeah, so when you roll for your stats, you roll two d ten and you take that number. Or you roll when you roll when you okay, sorry when you roll for your stats you're rolling two d ten plus twenty and that's okay. your stat for each of the different place uh, stats you roll. Um, based off of your home world, you have bonuses to certain things like maybe and also the stats extend past sort of physical traits. They also can they also um, include like fellowship and um, and and how good you are with weapons. Okay, if you're from a feral world where maybe your uh, you're, it, things are less civilized. Like you're on the outskirts. You're you're like a, a frontiersman who who is expecting to have to protect themselves. Like you would have grown up with more familiarity with weapons to protect yourself and your family and your community. So you get advantage on that roll. So you get to roll three d ten and pick the two highest. Okay. You yeah. might have. Um, a disadvantage on your like person skills because like you've been out in the middle of nowhere and you don't know how the um how those kinds of uh, like how like culture how um the, the the niceties of society work right um in the, on the core worlds so you would get a, a negative and you can still roll well because you can still roll like yeah. three spectacular d10s and be good but it's giving you a slight disadvantage that's interesting it's also give yeah it's also giving you a character mo- or characteristic modifier and the best example of this that I have was I rolled a hive, a hive world character who's the sort of like city planet person, and their modifier or their their character their bonus thing was that I was granted the ability to move through crowds uh, like they were an open hallway. Okay. So my character is familiar with moving through an overcrowded city. And so if we are going to be going down to a to another hive world and to a crowded space and we have to like chase after a thief or something like that, my character will be just good at that because yeah. they grew up doing it. And all of the different worlds have some kind of a background bonus that gives you some benefit. Okay. Yeah. So you and- you are so you, you're either building that out from what you are interested in doing, or you're doing some rolling for it, and yeah, it's and the informing that, the character. But it isn't yeah. like it's not it's not like a point by thing at this point. Yeah, and the thing that I liked about it was that for all of those characteristic modifiers, uh, like the bonuses you get for your your home world, they're not just like a hey, you get a plus two to this because like you probably were better at this. They are like a it's like a your character grew up walking amongst huge crowded cities and marketplaces, yeah. and so like you are just better at that. Like you get to do a narrative thing that's different, and yeah. so that it's like it's you keep coming back to the story of the world. Okay, yeah. So I see. I'm I'm starting to see I initially was struggling to see like where this is different from just Dungeons and Dragons. And maybe maybe yeah. it isn't different from Dungeons and Dragons. Uh except that it's giving more explanation for why something is the case. Uh so yeah. instead of having like you're a dwarf, that means you get to fight goblins better. 
or your constitution is like plus two more. Yeah. Like this is an actual thing, like a tangible, like not that a plus or a minus isn't a tangible thing, but it's like a, that's a story thing. It's a different, yeah. like yeah. you being better at moving through crowds is a, is a, is a it, it pulls from the story of your background much more directly. Yeah. And it also lets you have your story come up during play in a way that's very direct yeah. and very player facing. Yeah. So moving on from that, you also pick a background um, and that is like the thing that you did before. And so like the character that I rolled, cause I was just rolling randomly um, is uh, I rolled a, someone who's basically judge dread. Actually, they were like a kind of a, a an <laughs> FBI police officer. Um, and so what you do from there is you get a bunch of starting skills. Um, you still get a lot of skills from your core role and a lot of equipment okay. and stuff like that, but uh, but you do get some equipment and you get starting skills from the from that role. And then also there's there's another part of character creation where you get like trinkets and um, and and faith items and all sorts of things based off of your your character uh, background and world and stuff like that. Um, okay. And so and that and the thing that I like about it is that. He, he, we, we, we were talking about this this group that I'm going to play this game with. We were talking last night about how we could all roll guardsmen, like identical class characters, yeah. but build them so differently because all of these people would be in theory, like in, in the story, coming from the various worlds all over the um, this empire. And the game has taken advantage of that rich world building and built you a system where you kind of like build a character and then you say, okay, that's what the character was. Now they're doing something else. And so you have a story almost behind them. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really cool. Because like it it does move beyond just going I am a fighter, right? Like I'm yeah. an elf fighter or I'm a human fighter or whatever. Because you're building not just like the explanation for why, but it's giving giving you a couple different steps to build you to that point. Yeah. And then the kind of other thing that it does that's that's a little bit more uh, uh, nitty gritty that I'm not sure really falls into this category, but it also you get um, affinities, <laughs> which is like a really complicated concept. But the way that you level up is by spending uh, experience points on different upgrades and stuff, and they get cheaper. So every upgrade has a bunch of associated affinities, and if okay. you have like one or two affinities, and if you have two uh, that match, it's the cheapest. And if you have one, then it's like half as cheap. And if you have none, no affinities, then it's the most expensive. And so most characters can unlock most of the uh, upgrades. But for some, and you get affinities based off of your background in your home world, uh, you might just be better at it. And so that's okay. kind of, again, how it how it builds into it. It's trying to like bring this sort of rich world building and the way that people from different worlds will be different. Um and and bring that into the character creation in a in a in a pretty nuanced way for a very uh crunchy system. Yeah, definitely. It's it seems like it it seems like it's doing a lot of very crunchy things that would be very difficult to see it's like So here's here's where I struggle a little bit with kind of whether this builds character or not, right? Okay. So I've done plenty of D&D playing and gotten my bonuses and all the different things like that. And 5th edition also has background that gives you some of that similar stuff. But I'm never really aware of the other players' 
background and things like that, right? Yeah. So, like, do you think that it is different enough, that it has narrative abilities enough that it's really changing the character in a significant enough way that others would be able to see it, for example? I do a little bit, especially okay. with the uh, especially with the backgrounds, because the backgrounds of like what you do uh, or what you did do play into and shape how you how you do the role that you're doing now. So again, like you could have, we could play a group of Imperial Guardsmen who are just like basic level soldiers. But if one was a one of them used to be a rogue trader and one used to be on a, an imperial navy boat, one of them used to be a mechanic, well then you would all like sort of come to different roles within this new crew you're playing in. Okay. But like the one the character who is the rogue trader used to be like working on the edges of the universe and interacting with aliens and their background would come up as you were doing missions and you would go, "Oh, okay, so it's time to talk to uh, an alien that we're, we're we're trying to interrogate to find out something, and so this character obviously would be the person we would bring up, even though we're all kind of technically the same uh, because we're all playing the same role. Uh, yeah. But this person has this background in this thing, and I think that that would come up in a way. I, it just feels more like so. Like I, w- I was comparing this to Seven C because Seven C is another game that has a huge background um, and a yeah, lot of excellent yeah, world building and something that I have struggled with actually is that I don't feel like seven C takes advantage of its, of that in its gameplay as much or in its mechanics as much. Right. Like you Um, could go through and play the game and kind of not get any of the cool stuff from it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you would have to, you have to choose where you're from and, and, but you could kind of like look at it from a a very, uh, just like mechanical standpoint and say, uh, I want this type of type of magic and this type of weapon. So I'm going to choose these things. And I just feel like, I guess, I guess I don't really know for a fact, but I feel like that would be harder to do with dark heresy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, mostly I just wanted to look at it because some of the things going into making the character could be, it sounds like there are maybe fiddly number bits. Yeah. And I feel like fiddly number bits tend not to add a lot to a character. I know everyone has their story of how they played a 20 charisma, 18 intelligence, half orc barbarian and did this, that or the other. But I don't know that that necessarily builds a involved and thought through character. Yeah. Whereas like so, some of these some of these like specific ability things sound much more like they could be something to kind of hang your hat on, right? Like something that Yeah. that gives you a direction to take with stuff. Yeah. Something that 7C and Dark Heresy both do that I think is good for this sort of like deciding and and leading you through how to build a character from that world building is it they they walk you through the world that they've designed as you're making your character creation. So like okay. when you play Dark Heresy, they do encourage you to like read through all the different home worlds and choose where your home like what your home was from and read about it and then choose a couple of different upgrades that you've got to choose from. Um, because sometimes you have some character choices early on yeah. and you're uh, like which bonus you'll take based off of like what part of the planet you were on maybe. And then they say like, okay, well, what was your background? What did you do? And then they walk you through all the different kinds of backgrounds and, and they introduce you to the setting and, and seven C kind of does the same thing when they walk you through the different, uh, countries and stuff like that and then the magic systems and sword schools okay cool a lot of that is all yeah like i get your i see i see definitely i see what you're saying i think and i but i think that both of those systems 
do they have such rich world building um and they help you build that into your character more than i think dnd does okay yeah i could I, be wrong i have not played dnd in a little while so maybe it's different than what i remember but yeah i mean like i'll admit it's uh I, I have not played Dark Heresy, and so I, I haven't seen exactly what that yeah. looks like. Well, I haven't either. I've just done the character creation <laughs> once now. Right. But, but I mean, so something character that is, creation that is, is a part of play. Yeah. So that is an important thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Some, so both of those systems, though, are, are systems that have deep world building or like worlds created already. Yeah, yeah. And they are trying to help you take those things and 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 inform your character creation decisions based off of these backgrounds. Okay. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about is because this is more like the opposite of what Aaron and Jeff do in in uh in all my fantasy children, which is I want to talk about dialect. Okay. Which yeah. you unfortunately were not around to play with us. I know, I was so upset that I missed dialect. So we're going to have to play again. Yes, definitely. But so one of the things that you do with dialect before you cre- so they so dialect gives you playbooks uh or play sets. Um, are you going to play alien colonizers, like, uh, alien plant colonizers on an alien planet? Are you playing, we played thieves, uh, in like a thieves, an insulated thieves guild. Are you playing like Gambit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you playing, um, uh, like toy story, uh, toys? (laughs) One of the options is toy story. Yep. One That's of the rad. Is Toy Story. Love that. It's so good. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> um, and, and so you kind of, but, it, but the way, what it does is it sits down first and asks you some questions about the world and it walks you through world building. Like what, and it, and it actually has you create three aspects about the world. Um, two based off of questions it asks and one that you just get to choose to like help um, elaborate on things that are driving your world forward. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, and and they become things that that are that are mechanically in play as the game actually begins. But you do sit down and design a world. What does your thing look like? So when we played, we played the Thieves Guild, and we decided we were playing in a. Uh, we were in San Francisco during the Gold Rush, and we were thieves who worked the docks, but. Uh, during the day but by night put on uh, masquerade masks and went to balls and theater like we were in with a a local theater okay and sort of hobnobbed with uh the wealthy upper class who were often new rich and easy to steal from because they didn't know what was going on And, and so we built out this kind of this world where we were um thieving actors basically okay yeah and then from there it has you create characters in in a very interesting way and what it does is you are dealt a hand of cards that you have like two or three cards that you can choose from and they are archetypal roles. Okay. Like the healer, the leader, the Oracle, the zealot, the innocent, the explorer, the magician. And from there you relate back to the aspects that you created for the world. And it asks you questions like as the, the leader you identify with one of the aspects, but draw power specifically from one of them. And so it relates back to that world building that you just did okay. to help building your, build out your character. Yeah, because... So are you choosing which one you are? Like, which of the cards you are? Yeah, so you get, you get, you'll get three and you choose one. Oh, you choose one. one. I'm sorry, those I just missed so that. So you're choosing from a limited number, uh, but you, there is still some choice. Yeah, and so the... the but it, that's is that's the majority of the character right you're more or less how you relate yeah. to the aspects that is the okay. character like that is the extent of character creation is 
one or two questions about how your character relates to the aspects, um, which is literally the world building that you just that did. you just did. Yeah, that's really neat. That's and slick. especially where like like with the the leader is you identify with all the aspects but draw power from one. Yeah. Um, or the zealot is like choose one aspect you identify the like the crap out of this one and you take it way too far. Or like with the uh, I played the uh, the jester. Okay. And it was like I was the person who they give you like a little bit of an instructional thing like you're the character that like people who always is like upbeat and people come to for for like a cheery pick me up. And you identify with two of the three aspects and you think that the third one is absolutely hilarious. And so my character in this setting that we played uh, chose the fact that we were able to like just put on masks and go to these like masquerade balls and steal from rich people and that they never like figured it out. Thought that was absolutely hilarious. And so when a faction later on developed who kind of said, hey, we need to maybe get more serious about this. Like it's never going to be this good all the time in the future. Uh, my character kind of like fell in with that group. Right. Because you already were of the opinion that things yeah. needed to change. Yeah. And just kind of didn't necessarily wasn't like, Hey, that's uh like, this is like, this is bad that it's this way, but I just yeah. found it absolutely hilarious. Right. Okay. That's um, very cool. I, yeah. And having everyone make characters based off of those first three aspects that you make as a group is very interesting. Yeah. Um, it's because like with, with fate, you sit down and do a similar thing where you make aspects for the world to define like what is the setting we are playing in. But then you sit down and you make aspects for your character that have nothing to do with that setting necessarily. Or they're not... Right. The, the game doesn't demand that you make uh, aspects that relate back to that setting. Right. Which, which I could see for some fate games it being interesting to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Like with fate, there are some like world aspects, right? Yeah, it depends on the game of fate you're playing. Yeah, but a lot of the uh, but a lot of the phases of character creation are like, what was your what was your childhood like, or what like what's one aspect that defines your childhood? What's an aspect that defines like your adulthood? What yeah. an aspect that defines what you're doing now? But but the fact that you have your own aspects, whereas in dialect you only have the you aspects have, yeah. that are that are the world aspects, and how do you relate to them? Because the game demands that you relate to the world around you. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think it's very realistic, too. Like, people do relate to... Like, we only exist in the context of the world around us. Right, yeah. Um, and, and so that is an interesting... like, And especially a game like Dialect that is very interested in uh, setting and an and, and insular community. Um, the fact that you only define yourself by how you relate to the core aspects of the world is very interesting. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to look at. And so, like, obviously, which one you choose makes it, which aspect you choose to identify with or anything like that makes a huge difference, but you are essentially limited in your palette yeah. for what you're going to be working with. Yeah, but the thing that's interesting is that because, so, like, you, those roles that you choose from the card, like, the role cards you choose from... They are the same for whatever playbook you're playing. There will like there's a magician, there's a a zealot, there's an oracle, there's a leader. Like you won't necessarily get all of those, but there's it's there's it's possible for you to draw those. And because yeah. they're sort of generic, like I don't know what a leader is. I don't know what a like what does a leader look like? Like obviously, leader is a bad example because a leader looks <laughs> pretty much the same everywhere. But what like what is a magician in a fantasy world versus uh, a, a like a um, Toy Story? Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
So I'd originally been looking at this topic, I think maybe from a different angle, and maybe, maybe honestly, what I've been doing was accidentally looking at <laughs> the next topic that we want to do with Aaron. Um, but I was looking at things like Companion's Tale and Questlandia. Okay. Um, actually, less Questlandia, more Companion's Tale. Mm-hmm. Companion's Tale is, it, it is a map-making and storytelling game. Yeah. Which definitely has aspects of what we're going to be talking about with Aaron of world building through character creation. But I think it also has the reverse thing because the characters that you play are always centered around this heroic character and your relationship to them. Yeah. So like aspects that you give in world creation of the heroic character. Mm hmm are essentially the things that cause your character to have any meaning. Like, it it doesn't mean anything for the, for the lover of the hero to exist if the hero doesn't have any aspects or things we know about them, right? Yeah. And so I think Companion's Tales may be doing both at once. So maybe what we should do is come back to it. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting because I think that it gets a little bit into the... Uh, that, like it, world like character creation through world building kind of gets at the like the core of that is the idea that you should be always relating your characters back to the core setting and if the core yeah. setting is a hero's tale yeah then then the hero is the setting yeah essentially like and so that's kind of what i'm thinking with it is that the characters that you're making are exist in their relationship to the hero and and they are like essentially the entire setting that you're doing things in. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about I think the way we can pivot into how you can use this a little bit is is exactly that. So if you look at Dark Heresy, what it's doing when it's asking you to choose a homeworld or a background is it's saying, here, I have this rich history, this rich, this rich universe, this this like this universe of star systems. Choose from amongst them. Select the kind of character you're from. Or 7C is saying, here is a map of not Europe. <laughs> and here is a background of of all of those not European countries. Choose yeah. from amongst them, and then here is how it can introduce it can it can influence your character. And dialect is saying, build a world, and then as a secondary thing, define your characters based off of that world. Because that's really what Dark Heresy and Seven C are saying too. Is here is right, a world. Yeah. Define your characters based off of that. Yeah. And so I think that that idea, the lesson that we can learn from those, is that is that the character creation will feel meatier and your characters will feel more connected to the world if you have things that that demand you answer for things that are in like aspects of the world around you maybe literal aspects like mechanically but maybe just like lowercase a aspects <laughs> um, and and so if you are saying and I, like I don't know how you would make like I think that 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 doing something like a a move or a stunt or like it's the are which are functionally the equivalent of the the characteristic bonuses from Homeworlds. Yeah. Um where it says because I came up because I lived in this one place I get to do this thing. It's the it's the narrative permission thing again. And coming up with interesting things like that that make you and I, the thing that I would actually really like from 
uh, from Dark Heresy if I were to hack Dark Heresy, knowing almost nothing about the system. Just, um, just make a Dark Heresy heartbreaker. Yeah, is something that draws more influence from the the protege playbook from Masks. Okay. Where you can kind of say, here is what the... Like, and, and a little bit of what Dialect does, too, which is where you say, here is the world, here is the home world you've come from. Do you accept that? Are you imb- an embodiment of that? Are you? Do you lean into the frontiersman world thing? Or do you reject that? Were you that kid who always grew up and put on the fancy clothes even though you were out in the frontier and refused to learn how to shoot a gun? Like, because that's an interesting part of character building too. Like, do you accept or reject the world that you were you grew up in? And, and that do you re- accept or reject the societies? that that you lived in or did you come around on them did you hate them when you were a child but then learned to appreciate them or the opposite uh where your where your eyes opened to the the horrors of of imperial society that you were raised in and suddenly you were like oh my god um these people all hate xenos and they want to just drive out anyone who doesn't look like them that's terrible but like defining aspects of the world and then demanding that every character react to them i think is important yeah, that's actually, that is maybe an interesting thing that is, that should be done with leading questions by a GM as you start up a game. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like, like let's, let's get like real broad on this. Or let's come up with an example that doesn't touch on any of these, right? You're, let's say you're, let's say you're playing dogs in the vineyard. Okay. Um, and so you're, you're in this scenario that you're being told ahead of time this is you're gonna have like this holy book you're gonna have this oh geez actually that's an amazing oh crap (laughs) hey i have a i have a book that connects to this yeah uh dogs in the vineyard yeah because dogs in the vineyard is essentially the entire character creation setup is structured around your relationship to the faith that you are a part of yeah and so you're asked you are demanded to put your relationship with them and set up like what that means and work out the things that you have you're told ahead of time like you're gonna have probably a horse you're definitely gonna have a a dog's coat huh okay (laughs) okay so because now now my now my brain is finally starting to turn on and work because i feel like i was initially missing exactly what what you were like going for with the topic. Okay. Um, and so now I think I'm seeing it a little bit better. Um, what we're looking for is things where the world asks you a question, like by being in the game, the world asks you a question and the answer of it defines your character in a meaningful way. Mm hmm. So like when you're playing D and D and you take two weapon fighting, that is not the world asking you a question. No, that's your character doing a thing yeah when the world asks you like if you're playing a game and it says hey uh mages are known to be evil and scary how do you feel about mages yeah that's the world demanding a question from you or uh you are a dwarf you you say hey i want to play a dwarf and the game says great dragons ruined your entire civilization and stole all your gold. Yeah. What are you doing about it? Yeah. That's something that's building the character more from it. As opposed to like, you've got a plus one against goblins. 
which yeah. might have the same explanation, but it has an implied response to it, right? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, goblins attacked you, therefore you trained as a child to be better at fighting goblins. Yeah. Okay, and cool. I, and I think that I think that that's I think that's what I think that's what I'm trying to get at here is like D and D characters and a lot of character and and I'm trying to think I don't want to just hate on D and D. Um, I and I and I for some reason I feel this way about Seven C sometimes, and I don't think that that's fair. But like when you make characters in a lot of games, it feels like you're making a character absent from the world. Right. I think that that makes the character feel cheaper because they aren't connected because nobody grows up in a vacuum. Nobody lives in a world where the world doesn't interact with them. We all go about our daily lives, regardless of what civilization we're in, interacting with the world around us. Like, and, and, and even something as simple, like, so getting away from the real world, but like, yeah, like, Katniss from the Hunger Games like lives in a world and her character is defined by the hardships and the trials and tribulations and the good things the 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 society and the community and the family that she has grown up with and and so if you think about any like great storybook character they are defined by their world yeah and finding ways to bring that into the game is important and then also letting people like if you're playing dialect you're playing fate letting people define that world and guiding them to define that world in a way that will then later help them define their characters. So, like, let's say we're making this a general a general thing to apply to a game. I think there's two ways, like, we talk all the time about does the GM do it or does the game design do it, right? Mm-hmm. I think in dialect, the game is doing it, right? Yeah. The game is specifically asking you, hey, how do you connect to this world? What is your relationship with this world? I think Docs in the Vineyard is maybe as a similar thing, right? That you, yeah. uh, you have like, oh, this, hey, you have to have a relationship with your family because family is important. What relationship do you have with them? Yeah, I would say that, uh, see, I would say that Dark Heresy, which is saying because you grew up in this home world or because you did this job, you're better at these things or you have these related talents or these skills, like that is definitely the game doing it. That is the game yeah. saying, it's like no one else is getting a choice there. I actually think that with Dialect, it's you, like the player doing it because as much as it says, like you draw power from one of these aspects when you're the leader, yeah. it doesn't tell you what that means. Right, that's true. You are the one who defines what that means. Yeah. And so you might say, I draw power from, like, if you were playing dialect in the in the, uh, um, the Dogs in the Vineyard setting, you could say, I draw power from the aspect of the holy book that is the center of our, of our society. And so then everyone who... Because ha- then, then that's one of the core aspects, and everyone would have to sort of relate to either uh, to relate to that aspect. And then, as the leader, you're saying you get to define like if you reject the the holy book, what does that mean for our relationship? Uh, because yeah. I'm the leader, and I draw my authority from this. I draw my power from this, um, and I'm going to tell you what this means for you because uh, I'm the leader. Yeah, absolutely. So. In kind of like a broader way, I'm I'm, try- I'm looking at these aspects and I'm feeling like games with aspects could play with this really nicely. Mm-hmm. So I'm picturing Fate and I'm picturing Dogs in the Vineyard and just going like, what if instead of having 
boring, stupid requirements for uh, for aspects. They were instead interesting ones that set up your relationship <laughs> with the world. Like, I hate looking at a fate game and seeing choose an aspect related to your adolescence. Yeah. That drives yeah, it should be me, more pointed. Yeah, that drives me crazy. It doesn't give you anything valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that is essentially make up an aspect. Whereas if it was instead, uh, space travel is really hard, write an aspect related to how hard space travel is. That gives you a direction, and it makes it so that all of the players sitting down at the table are going to have something related to space travel. Yeah. Which ensures that they travel in space. So I think a good example of what you're talking about yeah. is is um, Tachyon Squadron has like ups and downs with what you're talking about. Because okay. like the high <laughs> concept is kind of just like, um, who are you and why are you here? Go yeah. free. Um, yeah. But but the, the 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 equivalent of like a troubling aspect in in um in in Tachyon Squadron is is called decompression, and it sort okay. of says like what do you do to deal with like the tension and stress of being like a high octane fighter pilot? Do you mm. what, like what do you what do you? It's kind of like the um um uh what is your uh what's the word for the thing from uh shit from cartel. No, well, yeah, it, Cartel does it too. But I was thinking, I was thinking of um, uh, oh. Blades in the Dark. Oh, I was gonna say the Ward. The Ward has an addiction that you feed. But him yeah, to. like what is the what is your addiction? What is the thing that that like what is the dark thing that that brings you uh, like uh, comfort <laughs> or relief at least or relief? Yeah, relief. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 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 so I think that's a better example. Yeah, uh, yeah, than definitely. Just like to find something about your childhood, or yeah, yeah. Um, I think that a Powered by the Apocalypse game, because God forbid we should ever have an episode of this podcast <laughs> where we don't talk about uh, Apocalypse World. Yeah. Um, or, or, and because this is where I'm going, Masks. Um, <laughs> a game that does this really well is the is Masks in the, uh, when our f- team first came together. Yeah, definitely. Because that is a, that is a question about the world. It's saying, mm-hmm. ev- you are teen superheroes. You are a team of teen superheroes answer to the question of how you became part of this team yeah like yeah what is your and especially i think relationships i think that um the relationships don't always do it for me but in yeah. in uh in in masks they do they say like especially because they're not necessarily asking you how you relate to the world but they're asking you how you relate to your other teammates and because for the purposes of masks the team is sort of central to that the team is the world like the team is the holy yeah. book um, yeah. And so you're establishing in the how our team first came together. You are doing that world building. You're saying, what does our team look like? What is our team dynamic? What are we? Are we in trouble? Are we? Are we the good guys? Are we kind of like maybe on the edge? Are we maybe bad guys? Like, what does that look like? And then, what are my relationships with the other team members? Do I reject what they do? Do I like what they do? Do I have crushes on them? Do I want to learn from them? That sort of thing. Yeah, and I would like to see something more like that in more PBTA games. I think of 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 a of a like a lot of pbt games have that relationship thing but i would like Mm -hmm. to see more when our team first came together questions um that would maybe even like based off of how you chose would give you a move like like we we in in, interesting um, okay 
in the in the most recent episode of Purdy and City, uh, mm-hmm. our podcast about masks. Um, <laughs> Check it out. Did, it's good. Um, we did love letters because the world had changed, and you yeah. said the world has changed. I demand you answer for how you have dealt with that change. And based off of that, you might get a move. You might get a different move. You might get a, a bonus. You might get a an ally of some sort. And having something like that in a PBTA game where you get a mechanical bonus, you're getting a move or you're getting a drive or something like that. Yeah. Um, based off of an, a question you're being asked about your the world and answering for the world uh, would be very interesting to me. Yeah, that would be really cool to see. I could definitely see building a, an interesting amount of the game around that if you've got a tight enough game. Mm-hmm. Because like people think that a lot of people think that PBTA games are you know 150 to 250 pages, and yeah. they have eight playbooks, and they have seven basic moves, and they mm-hmm. have five stats, and that isn't necessarily true, right? Yeah. And so I think challenging things it says like hey, where do you fall on X issue? How do you relate to Y thing? Yeah. And having players get moves based on that? Mm-hmm. Like, l- yeah. let's say we're doing um, Dogs in the Vineyard PBTA, right? Uh, you could have something like listing the different major... S- listing the major requirements of the faith. Mm-hmm. And asking like, what do you fall? Do you follow this? Do you reject it, or do yeah. you kind of go middle of the road on it? Mm-hmm. And then no that could inform like, who are you? Get out of here! Yeah, can you believe I gave that option? <laughs> of course, no. the middle of the road options would be weak and horrible. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they wouldn't exist. You wouldn't give them a middle of the road option. Yeah, ideally, you don't give a middle of the road option, or maybe I feel like there's something to be said for a third option. There's a there's a you get to choose a bad move option. Uh, there's a but that gives you a benefit because you're playing into your weaknesses. There's a mm. you get to the the your you, the the good option which gives you a powerful move that is a little bit hollower. And then there's the GM gets to choose your move option. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know that I would want it to be so obvious, right? Like, okay, that's if like having having the question about how about like how the faith looks at violence, for example, if you are a proponent of the idea that the faith is a sword, then you're getting a like an attack move of some kind. And if you're viewing that faith is more of a shield, then you're getting more of like a defend somebody move. Yeah. And like having like basically a a thing that you're just filling out, like making choices back and forth on some things, like a <laughs> like a BuzzFeed personality test, and at the end yeah. of it, it spits out a character sheet. That could be kind of rad. But I like like I just I was thinking about this. So like you, I'm just looking at these masks playbooks. Um, but I actually like a uh, something that has more like uh, depth or not depth. Um, uh, weight to it like a cartel or an urban shadows yeah. that have more like there's some darkness there's some some um grit say, yeah there's grit to it something like that where you just get to like choose moves like what is that like <laughs> why like you should have to like tie in like especially urban shadows wants you to tie into the factions yeah. wants you to like be involved with the politics of the world like your choices are you like you, your choices should be how you answer to the world and as a result of those choices you get to choose you get a move or you don't um okay okay i, I have an idea 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I tweeted recently, um, saying, uh, talking about the whole pamphlet versus big book thing, and mo- like more or less said like, hey, some books, some games are best for this, some games are best for this, some games are best for this, and I included without really just because I wanted to like maybe phone app is something that some games should be right, mm-hmm. um, or like some computer program, right? What if? I think I think I could set this. I think it would be possible to set this up with like even an Excel sheet that you go through and you answer the relevant questions for each one. Mm -hmm. And instead of going like, do you get an attack move or not? Because I think it's worthwhile for people to have an attack move just so that there isn't the question of, okay, but what happens if I don't have it? But instead, it's choosing different versions of it. Right. Mm hmm. Um, I'm I'm increasingly becoming a fan of looking at increasing the strength of moves, not mm-hmm. by giving a plus one to it, but by yeah. changing the move itself, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the, the Innocent in Masks does that to just phenomenal effect. And like looking at some of the adult moves in Monster Hearts and Masks and things like that that are kind of replacement moves, those could offer so many different things. If you are a like big, scary barbarian, maybe your attack move has a higher like you know maybe uh on a seven to nine your attack move has a chance of going way overboard and doing much more than you intended it to do right and that's the consequence that you're more interested in seeing than like hitting their armor and not getting through right yeah i was actually just thinking that a good way to do this would not be to say necessarily like answer for to the world and then get this move or not but like choose this move um like something uh what was the example i was thinking of um oh shit what is it uh criminal minds uh or criminal mind which is the delinquent move oh uh, yeah where when you assess the situation you get a couple extra questions to ask yeah and a a, a thing where you would choose that move but then based off of some questions about how you interact with the world, what kind of a delinquent are you, you would get maybe these two questions or these two questions or these two questions. Yeah. And I mean, you could, if you're, if we're going into like, you know, having it generate a playbook for you, you could do something that it's like that people have different questions, even on their basic moves. Mm -hmm. Like if you are, if you are sneaky and stuff like that, if, if you're greedy, then it makes sense for you to be asking what here is youth, useful or valuable to me. If you are like a defendery type, it makes sense to be asking what here is in the greatest danger. But so making it so that you cannot do those things in some sort of like a, you know, lower power sort of setting could be something that's really interesting that your expertise really has to shine through. I'm actually almost wondering yeah. about something like this with the super secret project you're working on that has people of, of very specific expertise. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that having that question also gets rid of the, someone should assess the situation problem, which I think is something that I, mm-hmm. I've seen in dungeon world that it's like, uh, let's assess the situation. And then people kind of, Who's got that wisdom? You've got that wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's because that, that's exactly the kind of thing that you don't want, which is that yeah. everyone kind of just has exactly the same move, and it's just like, uh, okay, who has the highest stat? Like, yeah. everyone should be a little bit different because everyone, the way that people like assess the situation is such a great example for this, but like everyone sees the world in a different way. Yeah. And so the their background and their the way that they have interacted with the world so thus far in their life should influence the way that they see the world and assess the situation. I wonder even a little bit occasionally about a game that that like each playbook is just the basic moves but a little different. And yeah. like instead of choosing three moves, it's like hey, for assess the situation, choose four questions. And there's seven questions listed, and they're a little different for each playbook. And just go cool. for that, because like sometimes I, I want more a more minimalist PBTA. And yeah. there's some really good minimalist PBTA. There's a very neat one coming out of the Urban Shadows Kickstarter soon, yeah. I think. Uh, but having something that is like, hey, a single sheet of paper is kind of cool, and I want it because Lasers and Feelings has that, and I want us to have it too. I just realized that plays in kind of the opposite direction as my slasher game that you lose options. Because yeah. <laughs> basically that's what I'm doing with the slasher game is you start out with a bunch of different options. And then as the game goes on, you cross them off, cross them off, cross them off until you get killed. Yeah, but that's still like, hmm, that's interesting. That is that is the world saying this this action is no longer an option an option for you you've played this out yeah but that's more relating to the setting of in that like in that case that you're that the setting that that's relating to is the genre of the film or yeah exactly but maybe i'll do that thing where you're making choices on the sheet for the uh for that one because characters don't Mm -hmm. need to be radically different for a slasher movie so I think hopefully something out of that came was good. Um, and, <laughs> I feel like we got some good stuff. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I think because I think that world building is important. Like I think that world. So I think that one of the things that is about this that is yeah. that is that that I've that, that both of these topics of character building through world building and world building through character building is that we do a lot of character building as game players. Yeah, we build characters for these games, and I think that world building is an underrated part of that. Uh, yeah. part of game playing in general but also specifically of character building because like again characters and people and things don't grow up out of nowhere they live in a world and so def- and so it, whether you're going to define the world and then answer for your character's uh choices or define characters and say where did that choice come from let's go back and think about the world that would have created this type of character yeah yeah um i think that's interesting I think so and too. I think it's important, and I think that that uh, that some things there we came to uh, hopefully cover that topic a little bit. Oh, actually, I thought of something that ties into pasión. It's a little pasión next version tidbit that I think can be applied to really any GM as they sit down at the table. When you have questions that characters have to answer, that kind of takes a stance of some kind it tells them how they're interacting with the world, right? So mm-hmm. one of the playsets that I'm working with, because Pasión is moving increasingly towards a playset model, um, is a like romantic restaurant cooking thing. That it's like, you know, you're, you're in the kitchen cooking together and sexy music and everything like that. 
Um, and one of the questions it asks is just, what is the one dish that nobody else can equal when you make it? So, like, mm. someone might say, oh, I make the best arroz con pollo. No one else can beat my arroz con pollo. And that is the world saying, hey, you are characters who can cook, and it's important that you can cook, and it makes it so that all of them can. Mm. And so having... But you could ask that question for for anything that cooking is something that's really important, right? Mm-hmm. And you could do that for any topic that's important in your world. And maybe you should. So talk to us like, like again, like come like, like let's bring this all back around to the fact that we were talking to Aaron about this on Twitter. Um, so hit us up on Twitter. Tell us about the kind of world building that you like. Tell us about how world building has affected characters you've designed uh, or games mm-hmm. you've designed. Um, and you can reach us at either at, at like both of us together at stop back and roll, or you can reach me individually at and the meltdowns. And I'm at Dr. Captain Cobalt. You can find all of our episodes, links to some of our games and other little bits on www.stophackandroll.com. Uh, you can email us individually at James or Brandon at stophackandroll.com. If you'd like to help the show out and get it into a couple more ears, hop on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and give us a rating and review. Those make a huge difference in terms of helping people to find it either through accidentally looking up Stop, Hack, and Roll or getting it as a suggestion with their other podcasts. We make this podcast with the support of our Patreon backers, and we would like to welcome an, uh, a new backer this this to this episode, uh, Mitch Moore, um, as well as thank all of our uh, outstanding uh, continuing backers like Declan Chadbourne, Michael Bowman, Matthew Marquez, Rob Abrazado, Rob Robert Kosick, Izzy Sanders, Nick Punt, Troy Pitchelman, and Alice Tobin. If you'd like to help support this show and other shows on this network, check us out at patreon.com slash stophackandroll. And if you can't support us financially, that's fine. Um, come talk to us on Twitter. Come be part of our community. It helps us drive where our show is going to be and what we're going to talk about. Um, and the best place to, to come and talk to us is directly in our Discord which you can find at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or discord.stopbackandroll.com. So, James, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. As you're facing the specific struggles that are involved in your world as a game designer and a podcaster, for example, loss of data or someone else making the same game that you wanted to make, give me three things that you're going to do that will help you to deal with that intense stress Mm, well well first i would definitely have to stop and then i would have to hack and roll 